So last week we learned that the church is a place where we find true freedom because we're freed from the penalty of our sin due to Jesus dying for us. So in today's message, what we're going to do is we're going to learn the church is a place where we can worship in song together. Now, the reason why I stated it like that is because there's many ways to worship. There's many ways to worship. We worship by observing communion. We worship by having corporate prayer. We worship by giving. And we actually worship by hearing God's word. But many times when we hear the word worship, we just think about the singing. But the whole service is the worship service. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the specific aspect of worshiping in song. So what I want to do is I want to start with a question. Why worship in song? Well, the simple answer is that the scripture, in the scriptures, we are told to worship in song. If we study through the Psalms, we find hundreds of examples of not only singing the songs, but we're actually told to sing praises. Like in Psalm 105.2, it says, sing to him, sing praises to him. So this is like a declaration about singing to the Lord. So then we have to ask, well, why? Why does God say sing? Well, music is very important to God. And the reason why it is very important to God is because that is the way that he created us. Music is important to us. Would you agree with that? Music is important to us. It engages us physically. It engages us emotionally. It engages us spiritually. Many of you knew this. I grew up in Waretown. And in seventh grade, I started middle school at Southern Regional Middle School in Stafford Township. Now, if you know anything about Waretown, when you drive into Waretown, there's that donut shop that everybody goes to and lines up. Well, down that road, Bay Parkway, I lived all the way down Bay Parkway on one of those lagoon streets. And you could not get further away from Southern Regional in the school district than my street. Okay, so I bought myself a 45 minute ride each way on the school bus. So in order to deal with that 45-minute ride each way, I got myself one of these jobbies, okay? (laughs) Some of you know what that is. For those of you that are young, you probably don't know what it is, but this to us was what your phone is to you, okay? And we burned through so many batteries, right? Because this played these, right? Cassette tapes. So like many other young people, I spent a lot of my time with headphones on. A lot of my time identifying with certain bands and with certain styles of music, some I still enjoy to this day. I would get on the bus, I would put my headphones on and get lost in music that I liked. And as most of you probably learned in life, I learned that music can enhance my mood. I learned that music can actually dictate my mood. I learned that certain types of music hype you up or pump you up to do something active. Certain type of music is soothing and relaxes you and you could sleep to. Certain type of music can make you feel happy. Certain type of music can make you feel sad. The range of emotions can be communicated through music and it can impact our mood. Now, there's also an aspect of music that takes you back to a memory in time. Some of you have that, right? You hear a certain song and you're like, that's like a high school dance. Or that's like being in middle school. Or I remember that song. It reminds you of fill in the blank. That song reminds me of that summer. That song reminds me of hanging out with these people. That song reminds me of doing this. There's also an aspect of music that connects people. Have you ever been to a concert? You're with hundreds 
or maybe even thousands of people that you don't even know, but they all love that band and the music of that band. So together, you're all singing along and swaying and dancing to the music. There's this big connection to a bunch of people that you don't even know and you never had a conversation with. Music has strong connections with our upbringing, doesn't it? Certain things you remember. I remember sitting in the back seat of my car, in my dad's car, hearing certain songs. And now when I hear them today and my dad's gone, I'm like, man, that reminds me of my dad. That connection of my upbringing. It also is a lot of times music is connected to location and heritage, isn't it? Think about this. St. Patrick's Day, right? Local restaurants. They have corned beef and cabbage. They don't hire a rapper. They're not like, come out to eat corned beef and cabbage and listen to Tupac, okay? They don't do that because they say, we got a bagpiper or we got Irish music. If you go to Jamaica, what do you hear? Steel drums and reggae. If you go to Mexico, you hear a mariachi band. If you go down south, you hear country music, right? Um, so here's the thing. Music has these connections. Music is seasonal. If you went home today and your neighbor was swimming in his pool with Christmas music playing, you'd be like, my neighbor's gone nuts, okay? Because you're like, what, what is it? It's July. It's not Christmas anymore. Maybe you and your spouse have a song. Maybe when you were a teenager, you made someone a mixtape. Remember those? Okay, they look like that, but they said mixtape. Now today, for all you young people, you call it a playlist. We work so much harder, okay? <laughs> we really did. Why? Because you want to communicate something through the songs that you like. Music, when it's out of tune, no matter what style or genre it is, everybody goes, eh, right? But when it's in tune, even if you don't like the genre or style, you're like, okay, I can appreciate music. Because of style and genre, you might not like a certain type of music, but you can also, other people will also think that type of music is great. The bottom line is this. Music is so powerful, isn't it? It inspires us. It inspires us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it actually inspires us to have reactions. So when we come together, God actually desires us to worship him in song and the church is the place that we do that so here's what i want to do for the remainder of our time together we're going to answer some questions as it pertains to worship and what the scriptures actually say so the first question is this what should be the content of our worship songs well the truth is the content of our worship songs needs to be true okay truth about what the first is truth about who god is in Psalm 29, 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So basically, when we come and we sing songs, the content of the song should be about, not every single song, but the content, some of the contents of the song should be about who God is. We should learn about who God is. The next is the truth about what he has done. Psalm 150, verse 2 says, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent grace, greatness. Then Psalm 105, 2 says, Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Now, these can be songs about general things about God, right? 
how God created us, how he created the world, how he keeps us alive, how he comforts us in a time of loss, how he helps us in a time of trouble, how he protects us, how he offers us salvation, how he delivers us from evil. The list can go on and on about general things, but they can also be songs that are very personal to us, which really brings us to the next verse, which is actually a scene in heaven. Okay, in Revelation 5, 9, this is a scene in heaven, and this is what it says. It says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, this is talking to Jesus, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So there's two issues I want to hit here. The first is sing what kind of song? A new song. Sing a new song. Now the scriptures teach us constantly in Psalms, sing a new song. Psalm 40, David says, the Lord put a new song in my mouth. So this is when people write songs about their experience of how God helped them. So some of the songs we sing are like that. They're somebody's interpretation of how God came to the rescue in a certain situation. You know, when we say new songs, some people are like, well, I don't like this song. I don't like that song. Or, you know, we should sing older songs. But let me just tell you this. Whatever songs you like were new to somebody. Let me just tell you that, okay? So if you like a certain time in history of worship songs or hymns, that was new to somebody. And somebody was standing there saying like, I don't really like this one. We should sing this one, okay? We don't really get into that much in our church, but here, here's, here's what I want to say. And they sang a new song. Where, where were they? They were in heaven. You think you get to heaven and be like, I don't really like the music, okay? I like the older stuff. I like the stuff from earth, okay? We don't say that, okay? Here's the thing. As long as they're true about who God is and what he has done. But notice, in heaven, they're saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. It's talking about some judgment stuff that's going on in the end times. But then it says, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. They're singing the gospel in heaven. Okay? They're singing the gospel in heaven. They're singing about how we are sinners in need of a Savior. How Jesus is that Savior who laid down his life and shed his blood for our sins. They're singing about how Christ rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And they're singing about how when we trust in him, we're ransomed from every tribe, language, and people. That's so important. It's so important because we need to sing about the gospel, right? We need to sing about the gospel. Some of you have come in here before and you've had a pretty banged up week. Something bad has happened. And maybe the message that I spoke didn't really inspire you. But a song that we sang pierced your heart. God uses worship and song in so many different ways when we sing them properly about what he has done. The next is we should sing the truth about how we should live. Now, in Psalm 37, it was our scripture reading. It was, it's essentially a song. Now, when you read through the Psalms, essentially, they were made and written to be set to music. And so this psalm, I'm just going to take some of the greatest hits of this, but it really actually teaches us how to live. And there's so many psalms and so many songs that we sing that actually teach us how to live. But let's look at this. Psalm 37.3. 
It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So, you know, you're saying this. I need to trust you. You know, you're, you had a tough week. You're wondering, oh, is God really for me? Is God, yeah, trust me. Trust me. I got this one. Do good. Keep on doing good. Don't get discouraged. Don't use whatever's going on in your life to sin. Just keep on doing good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight. Find delight in him. You know, sometimes in life, you know, maybe, maybe you thought something was going to be better than it was, and you're kind of a little let down. Whatever that might be, whether it's a vacation, a job, a relationship, or something. And then God's saying, no, you're missing the point. You're supposed to delight yourself in me, not in the things of this world. Sure, you will be blessed by the things in this world, but you have to find true delight in me. Commit your way to the Lord. So when you sing something like this, you're committing. You're saying, you know what? God wants me to follow after him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Maybe you're waiting for something right now. And God's just saying, okay, here's what I want. I want you to calm down and be still and wait patiently. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. The Lord's telling us, hey, listen, you know, your, your natural response might be like, go nuts. Don't. Whatever it might be, this is just like a small little look into some things, the truth about the way that we should live. These are all ways we should live in view of the Lord. And when we're singing, you see these themes come up in many of the songs. Psalm 57, 7 says, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. We should live with unwavering faith, our unwavering faith. The life that we live, we come and we sing those worship songs. I know, you know, in the past five or six years of my life, there's been certain Sundays where something happened in the week beforehand, and I came and standing up front and singing along certain songs helped me. So my faith did not waver, so I kept steadfast and focused on the Lord and didn't think of all the ways that I could fix it or how bummed I was about it. Or how discouraged I was about it. So then the next question becomes this. Is there a certain style for worship songs? Is there a certain style for worship songs? And the answer to that is no. But here's a few things that we do know. The first is this. The songs need to be understandable. <laughs> you need to understand the songs. We don't want people to walk in and confused about what they're singing. Okay, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He was actually talking about a worship service where people were practicing gifts of tongues, but it was like chaos. And Paul just said, no, no, no. God is not a God of confusion. So when you come in here, the songs that are chosen should not be confusing to you. You shouldn't be like, what's this about? I mean, granted, I've had people come in and say things like this. Why are all songs about the blood? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm glad you asked, okay? Because <laughs> now I can tell you. Because if you're biblically illiterate, you might be confused by the songs. So then you have to look and say, okay, let's find out. Is this in the Bible? Is there truth to this song? The songs we sing should not confuse people. We should not have a style that we can't make out what's being sung i mean granted here this is not an issue i mean all the songs like people can understand what they're singing but i remember you know back in the day when i used to do a youth group and kids would have different bands and stuff they'd be like pastor mike check out this screamo band you know like can we use this for worship i'm like you can't even understand what the guy's saying they're like read the lyrics i'm like but i can't hear them you know so we're not gonna have a style where people are like 
what's going on? I can't even understand what that guy or gal is saying. The next, and this one could be dicey, the style, the music needs to be good, okay? The music needs to be good, and some people are like, oh, I don't like this one, okay? <laughs> well, let me just tell you. Psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song, play what? Skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Now, this one's dicey because sometimes there are people that want to be up front doing what our worship people do, but they're not ready, right? They're not ready. So if they're not ready, then we say, well, you can't. And then a lot of times, sometimes, sometimes, a lot of times, <laughs> the people get offended. And they're saying, you say I can't worship? I'm like, no, it just depends on which way you're facing, okay? You can stand, sit there and face this way and worship, and we're fine with that. But up here, it creates a problem. And here's the problem. The first problem is this. All our worship volunteers work very hard, very hard, and we appreciate what they do. We appreciate the practice they put in, the time they come. And here's the truth. If we force them to work with people that are not ready, it makes their job harder, which it's already hard. But not only that, it kind of steals some of the joy from it. It steals from some of the joy because now they're like, how are we going to do this? You know, like, how are we going to work around this? This person's not ready to be here. You know, we know this in life. Just because we want to do something doesn't mean we can. You might love kids, and you want to volunteer for the nursery. And then we peek in, you're holding the kid upside down by their ankle. They're like, whoa, okay? You're not ready for the nursery. But I love kids, okay? It's, you can't do it, okay? There's certain things that you just can't do. So if the music is not understandable and it's not good, here's what happens. Here's the bigger problem. It's a distraction. It's a distraction, and it's hard for people to worship. It's a distraction. It's hard for people to worship. The purpose of the music is for us to worship together. And if there's something going wrong, I mean, if we have problems with the sound system, anything, all those things can be a distraction. So we try to minimize those as much as we possibly can. But here's another issue. If unbelievers come into the church, we know this to be true. They cannot worship because they don't know Jesus. If you are an unbeliever, you really can't fully worship because you don't know Jesus. So what do they do? They stand there and they listen. And if it's not understandable, and if it's not good, they might look and say, eh, church is not for me. It's like going to a concert of an artist you don't like. You know, I'm never going to do that again. So some people might have that mindset. I'm not saying it's a right mindset, but it could happen. So what we try to do here is make the music as understandable and as good as possible with the abilities we have. We're not saying great. We're not saying professional quality. But we have talented people in our church that can actually do this, fulfill this, make it understandable and make it good. So the worship style should be understandable and good. So the next question is this. What should we do? during the worship song. Now, this is a side note. This isn't a main point, but the first thing you should do is be here, okay? And what I mean by that is there's some of you that are late on occasion, but some of you are known as late, okay? If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Pastor Mike, you know that guy that always comes in late? That's not a good thing for you, okay? The worship 
in the song is not the pregame. It's not the lounge act. It's part of the service. Okay? It's not like, good, I didn't miss anything. I only missed the first three songs. Okay? That's not the way you should look at worship. So if you have a problem, I'll just give you some helpful tips. If you have a problem with being on time, if service starts at 1030, this one starts at 1030, tell yourself in your mind, service starts at 1015. Okay? And we'll see you at 1030. Because that's kind of the way you've been operating. Try to be here because it's so important. And not, not for nothing, it is actually disrespectful to the people that have planned and practiced to help you to worship. So the real points are this. <laughs> the first is sing. Duh, okay? What do you do during the worship songs? We sing. Psalm 95.1 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We sing joyfully. Obviously, there's going to be different moods depending on the service. Good Friday is always kind of like that somber, right? But Easter Sunday is that celebration. So on any given Sunday, there's going to be different songs that, you know, connect to different emotions. Whether you're having that emotion or not, there's going to be songs that we sing along with that help us to worship. But do you realize this? If you come in here and you just look up front and you don't sing, do you realize that you're, the fact that you're not singing can actually discourage other people from singing as well? Because then they're looking around like, okay, they don't do what I do. Okay, They don't sing. But your singing can also inspire people. I remember a long time ago, an older man who was very skeptical came to this church. And his son was very involved in this church, served in this church, and did many things in this church. So... The older man that came in, very skeptical, came into the service. His son asked him afterwards. He said, hey, Dad, what did you think of the service? He went, eh. The one thing that really inspired me, this is his words, the thing that really inspired me was there was a young man sitting in front of me or standing in front of me during the worship. He was singing his heart out as if he believed it. That was his, that was the takeaway. It wasn't like, oh, I like the sermon or this or that. It was, there was a young man who was singing the worship songs and it was inspiring to me. That reminds me of Acts 16, 25, when Paul and Silas were in jail for preaching. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What does it say there? And the prisoners were listening. So here's a bunch of hardened criminals that are in jail for, a right, for the right reason Paul and Silas, who are in jail for the exact wrong reason, in jail, they're singing praises to Jesus, and the other prisoners are like, dang, what's going on over there? They're singing. Some of you know that they, there was a jailbreak. Angels jail broke them out of jail. But here's the thing. The unbelieving prisoners were inspired by the fact that even in jail they worshiped. They were worshiping. They were singing. You come in here. You look forward. You sing along with the songs. That's part of the worship. We're here to sing. Ephesians 5, 19 says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, some people have this question. Well, what if it's a new song and it's a song I never heard? I have a hard time catching on. Well, we think about what the song is teaching. We think about what the song is teaching. You never heard the song. If it's pretty new, you know, we do. They, they put a lot of new songs in, in the rotation. You think about the words. 
What's this teaching me? Where's the connection? Psalm 145.5 says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. So now you're using this time of meditation to hear the song and, and try to catch on. The goal is singing along. Well, what if you're like me and your voice really stinks? I mean, I'm talking like Peter Brady style. That's what I got here. Okay. What do you do? Well, you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed. Well, here's what I do. I sing anyway. I don't care. Okay. I just sing loud and I just sing because that's what I'm here for. And guess what? If we all do that, we're not going to know who stinks. Okay. It's just going to be loud worship singing. Everybody's singing in unison together because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be worshiping the Lord collectively. We're not singing because we want to impress the people up front. We're not singing because we think the music is the greatest music we've ever heard. We're singing because we're offering worship to the Lord. Because singing is powerful. Now, this Friday evening, we have an opportunity. Trevor and all the worship people, a bunch of the worship people, they're heading up this worship night here at the church, 6 p.m., and uh, it's going to be outside, bring a lawn chair, and you're going to be able to sing along. There's going to be breaks in the time for some fellowship and stuff. But it's just a time to worship, to spend time. All are welcome, kids, adults, everybody's welcome. 6 p.m. here at the church. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a nice time for us to worship together as a church. Because the church is a place where we worship in song together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful that we could sing praises to you. We're thankful, Lord, that you've blessed us with talented people that can offer their gifts of talent so that we can sing louder and, and praise you and be led in worship and song. We just praise you for who you are and what you've done. In your precious son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.